Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, it's Jess. Before we begin, I want to warn you that this episode will contain discussions about domestic abuse, child abuse and suicide. It's not an easy listen and you might find some of the stories shared upsetting. If you or someone you know is affected by the issues surrounding our conversation, you can access information and support online. If you are concerned about the safety of a child, go to the NSPCC website on www.nspcc.org.uk or for children under 18, it's 0800 1111. You can also visit Refuge's website at refuge.org.uk or call the National Abuse Helpline anytime for free at 0808 2000 247. And if you're struggling with your mental health, you can visit www.samaritans.org. All of these links will be linked in the show notes. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips and this is yours sincerely. Usually in this podcast, I give my guest a chance to celebrate three people who mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who is no longer around and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. But this week, we're releasing some special episodes to celebrate International Women's Day and I'll be speaking to some truly inspiring women about the things they are fighting to change. Terry White is an author, journalist and former editor of Empire magazine. Her memoir, Coming Undone, is a powerful, honest account of her struggle following the trauma of her abusive childhood and how this led her towards a mental health crisis and her precarious journey back from a life in pieces. Growing up, Terry was a victim of physical and sexual abuse and she wanted to speak about her experience to help further people's understanding and to help prevent it from happening to other women and young girls. So hello, Terry. How are Hiya. you? I'm very good. You've got here on the trains. I have. The train ran. It ran on time. I'm going to turn this podcast uh, <laughs> from a meaningful uh, uh, series into uh, people complaining about trains. I'm, I'm here for it. I think that's, a, you know, you could fill the entire airtime with people doing that. Um, so we normally are here to talk about uh, letter writing, but this uh, is a special International Women's Day edition. And I want to speak to different women about the letters that they would like to share with not just individuals, but the women of the world, mm-hmm. the women and girls of the world. So what is the letter you would like to share today? The letter I want to share is really to all of the young girls who were basically... Um, like I was. So all the young girls who have been abused, whether sexually, whether physically, um, I remember very vividly 
as a young girl thinking, you know, my life's basically over. I was abused at five and I, I later wrote a book and I wrote in the book, um, how do you live when your life's ended at five? And that was the prevailing thing I felt throughout my entire childhood. And as I've got older, I've learned how to live with that and how to live a life. But I still remember that feeling of hopelessness, the feeling that there was nobody there to protect me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we grew up poor and working class girls <laughs> are quite often on the bottom of the pile. Mm -hmm. And I really want to say to them that there is hope that your life can be as brilliant and beautiful and magical as you want it to be and that one thing that happened will shape you and will always be a massive part of who you are but it isn't the totality yeah. of who and what you are you're not wrong about that so uh, i know obviously you've spoken about the traumatic childhood uh, abuse that you experienced yeah so we um there was a lot of violence in in my household growing up from my dad and my mum's partners and so there was a lot of physical abuse and, and living in that terror is something that stays with me into this day. I don't think I've ever been as scared in my life as I was in those moments. But then there was sexual abuse as well from, yeah, from the age of five for about two years and further incident as well. And it pretty much, you know, I've got no, I always say I've got very few happy memories of my childhood because it was so dominated by all of that stuff. And that feeling of, you know, we were, we had nobody looking after us. We had nobody really to support us. Um, that has always been something that I found really difficult. And not, and, not, and not knowing that there were other people out there going through the same thing or who had been through the same thing. And I felt completely isolated and alone in the world. Um, and, you know, as I say, that's, that's always been part of who I am. And I, I really kind of, I want to reach back and give that girl and other girls basically the hope that I wish I'd had. Do you think that, um, I mean, I, there's no way that it's better now. You and I both know it yeah. isn't better. The, yeah. the statistics tell us that it's not better. Yeah. There's still as many girls, women uh, living with domestic abuse and children growing up in that environment. If, In fact, if anything, the statistics yeah. show us that it's a growing problem. Yeah. Uh, well, at least people are coming forward about it. But I suppose in, in that the people coming forward about it and the conversations about it, there is something better in that. There is some hope to be had in that my children, I mean, obviously my, my children are not a great example because they grew up basically, you know, working under the desk at a women's refuge. So obviously <laughs> they know about it, but um, like their peer, I see in my teenage sons amongst their peer groups, the conversation mm. about this is much less taboo. It is much more likely that schools might be talking about it to varying degrees, I have to say, in my experience. But there is there is something better about it now than in the 80s. Yeah, and the truth is, like, it was kind of accepted in the 80s. 100% it like, was accepted. It, wasn't a, it honestly wasn't a big deal for there to be multiple mums at the school gates with black eyes and bruises. I remember in my playground at... In the 80s, I remember an actual altercation between a mom and a dad, like happening in the playground. And actually, also, you remember the kids who absconded from school a lot. Yeah. I remember there was a girl in my class called Sarah and she was, if she had 20% attendance. And the kids, I was talking to one of my friends about this, the kids who smelt a bit or yeah. like were really impoverished. Yeah. 
it was just a reason to we we just t- we totally accepted it yeah if not made it worse yeah. it is the actual truth of the situation for kids when i was a kid yeah. in those situations and i i like to think that is better now yeah and i think it is and i think there's just more as we say it's not as accepted you've got to hope the police are of made some strides in the last couple of decades. I mean, I, I remember ringing, ringing 999 um, during one incident and they came and they separated my mum and her partner at the time. And it was basically like, oh, it's a domestic, mm-hmm. you know, it was no big deal. And um, I think they actually told her not to wind him up. That yeah. was kind of what they left us with. But, you know, the, I, I remember we used to see a neighbour sliding down her glass door when she'd get hit. And it just wasn't... It, it didn't really strike me as anything wrong, even though it felt wrong and terrifying yeah. and awful. And um, we went to a women's refuge for um, six weeks, I think it was, in Wales. And the the mad thing was, I, I spoke to my teacher recently from that time, mm. and she was like, "Oh yeah, you and you weren't the only ones who went to a refuge." You know, oh, I'd not, of course, yeah, yeah. There were just other kids who just got, disappear for a couple of months and come back when the situation was a bit safer. Um, and I do think, you know, social media is obviously evil in many ways <laughs> but also i think but i think it gives there's a, a democracy in allowing kids to see that they're not alone to have access to resources that i certainly didn't you know mm-hmm. i rang childline because that in the 80s that was literally the only thing i i thought of to kind of reach out and get help was to ring childline i remember seeing the telly ads oh they were everywhere when we with were the kids. phone number yeah, yeah everybody yeah, knew yeah. the phone number and rang childline um, but now, you know, I think if, if I was a kid now and going through that, the the acceptance isn't there, but then also the ability to reach out and connect with other people, mm. but also try and get, and get some help. I think it's it's a slightly healthier situation, um, mm-hmm. even though we know statistically it's 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 a not huge getting any problem. better. Yeah. Um, so did you did your mum try and step in and help you? Um, well, I mean, she was. Getting seven bells knocked yeah. out of her, so you know there was very little she, she could, could do. do. And I do think you know she had my brother when she was sixteen. She had me when she was eighteen. Mm. She had two, what three kids and two divorces before thirty. And I just think she was a kid. She yeah. was a kid herself. Totally a kid. A kid, and she you know sought validation through men and through relationships. And I don't think uh, we always came first for sure. Yeah. But you know I tr- I try. I try and have a bit more empathy these days because I think she was in a nightmare situation. She should have protected us more. That's just... Of course. Of course she should have protected you more. But, I mean, I I see this all the time where social services do get involved in cases where still the tone is to critique the mother rather than support her freedom. Happy mums make happy kids is uh, my experience of working in this for for very many years. And still too much, it's still too, you haven't kept your kids safe and it's you who's the one who's being attacked. Um, And, yeah, I really worry that that hasn't... The idea of social services being child-centred has flipped so far to the point where it's like just to criticise the woman. Yeah. And, and and basically, I'm afraid to say, to repeat the words of a perpetrator, say, if you speak up, they'll take the kids away and that's exactly what they yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, and, we, and, and, you know, The Guardian's doing a lot of great reporting on this yeah. at the moment in those cases. Um, but, and I do, and I've always tried to say, you know, I have, I have a very complicated relationship with my mother, but I think fundamentally the men who... Yeah, they're the who, ones to blame. They, the men who perpetrated that blues, it's, it's their fault each and every one of them um have any of them faced any justice 
Uh, one did. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going through a process with the second. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, like, it's it's utterly mad to me, like, how you, we would have the police called on, on very visible mm-hmm. events and nothing would happen. Um, and we know the statistics around rape and sexual yeah. assault. I mean, so I'm not expecting there to be any justice in the second one. I, I, I feel like I should be grateful that I'm, you know, one of the 1% who, who saw... Um, I saw him convicted, which is kind of nuts, really, when you think about it. Absolutely. I'm absolutely in the minority. We're a needle in a haystack, I'm afraid. And I do, I think with child sexual abuse, you know, the NSPCC estimates it one in 20 Mm. kids are abused. But that's only what we know of. You Mm. know, you and I both know that, that sexual abuse especially flourishes in secrecy and in silence. And that it's actually, you know, probably quite rare for kids to fully come forward so i don't think we've got any sense of the true scale no not at all not at all burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss so did it go on to have a, a big impact in your life so we had we've had people come on the podcast and talk about incidences of uh, abuse and I'm often intrigued by where even in a sibling group it has one mm. effect and a different effect on another sibling and um, it was uh, put to me that a child with an adult who believes them, basically uh, a witness, yeah. somebody who bears witness to them, yeah. is the difference between it having catastrophic effects on the rest of their life yeah. and it being something that they take as armoury and live with mm. for the rest of their life. It is part of them, but they live with it for the rest of their life. So I presume you've had a bit of both of that. Yeah, and I think I think the, the narrative that, people are comfortable with is 
it makes you stronger and you become do you know and and i, I yeah it's tedious that isn't drives it me mental because it's like it literally does the opposite is yeah. the truth uh, it makes you more vulnerable to abuse in later life well exactly and so <laughs> you know it's now as an adult that i know that the second man abused me because i was vulnerable and i'd been 100%. victimized once and he was a predator yeah. When you're a kid, you go, what have I done to bring this on myself twice? What am I giving out to the world? Mm. What signals am I inadvertently doing at the age of five, six, seven, eight? That's that's giving these men these mm. ideas. Um, but I, you know, I, I was properly haunted by it for decades, well, probably until recently. And mm. I've had my own mm. son and I've, I've resolved a lot of stuff, but... I'm in my 20s, um, completely work-focused, had no personal life whatsoever, no mm. real um, relationships with family. And in my 30s, it was, you know, a lot of um, mental health mm. issues and a lot of drinking and prescription pills. And yeah, substance misuse is... I mean, I've never common. met a woman with substance misuse problems. To be honest, I've never really met a man with substance misuse uh, who didn't have an incident of trauma. Yeah, and it's and you know, and I, I always it was always about a, sed- a sedation effect because I couldn't handle it. I just couldn't handle thinking about it, f- feeling what I felt. I felt fundamentally broken for a long time, and that I couldn't be fixed, and that it was just mm. every it's, life often felt. And when I was I had a lot of um, suicidal ideation mm. and uh, some suicide attempts. Um, and I always felt it was because what's the point? It's futile because, because this thing was done forever. and it's there forever and there's nothing I can do about mm. it. And that's a really dangerous place to be mm. for 30 years of your life. And I'm not there anymore. Um, I'm not to say I can't go back there because yeah. I think I think you have to be realistic about, about what it um, does to you as a woman. And I think especially... As a young girl, how that shapes the woman you become, you feeling like I always felt fractured as a woman. Mm. I had a really complicated relationship with my body Mm. and with sex and all of that. Um, And that's not easy to overcome. And I think it's it's there's no kind of, you know, epiphany where and then you wake up. One day. One day. Um, But I think it's a lifelong thing. It's funny. I... um Lots and lots of women have lots and lots of incidences of... I mean, I'm going to say most women have some incidents of some form of trauma regarding their body uh, in childhood or early adulthood, at least, if not later. Um, And I think, for me, uh, my... I mean, I had a baby when I was quite young, so, you know, it came quite early. Um, I had a baby when I was 23, um, and I was pregnant when I was 22, and it did massively change my life. Um, it made me feel like my body was there for something else. And that, you know, I, I understand that's almost deeply anti-feminist to say that, but I can't help the way I felt about it. Um, and that I could understand, you know, all that in the, again, in the 80s, all that talk about women having babies to get council flats mm-hmm. as if, like, mm-hmm. a, as if having a newborn baby would be worth a bloody yeah. council flat. You'd have to give me a bloody, the Palace of Versailles <laughs> to have another one. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm going to need some serious investment. The idea that £36 a week benefits would make me have another baby. You'd have to give me £36 million. Um, but, the, you know, actually, I, I started to realise why uh, young women 
were choosing to have babies because it made them matter in the world somehow. And I felt like for the first time, like I mattered. Um, and that's terrible and that's anti-feminist and there's all, all sorts of, mm. but it is the way I felt. But so. I, think, oh, I think that's fascinating because I, do you know what? I've never put this together before this moment, but I felt a real agency over my body when mm-hmm. I was pregnant. Yeah, And not because it kind of had a function, but it was, it, I felt this power in it that I could grow a human being that I could do something that formidable and it it wasn't there for the use of men it wasn't there even though you could yeah. argue that reproduction is entirely for the use of men but also, that's an entirely I, I, different debate I've produced two men <laughs> well, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I produced one um, but you know it was I, I felt the most powerful and powerful. most in charge of my body that I ever felt 100%, when I was pregnant the sense of agency it yeah. gave me I was desperate to have a girl uh, and when I found out I was having a boy I was like oh God, what if he turns out to be evil? And then there's that weird moment when you have this gun and you see the willy and you're like, I've got a willy inside me. <laughs> yeah. I've got a willy inside me. How I'm weird going, is it? Yeah, I've I'm got growing a, a man inside a man. me. It's so weird, isn't it? It's a weird feeling. I it definitely is. felt that. That was a weird feeling it for is. me. It is. Um, but yeah, it did make me feel powerful. And I, I, that's almost certainly been given to me by patriarchal mm-hmm. norms about, yeah. you know, the sort of, you know, the, the, the Madonna as yeah. uh, the idea of the mother being sort of beatified yeah. to the point of ridiculousness like, and I, there's no way I'm a Madonna my god my children I mean my children frequently call me my one first name because I don't respond when they call me mom <laughs> apparently I'm too busy on my phone um but and they call me miss as well and when I I'm like, yeah like they're like oh, when they're moaning at me they're like miss miss because they do it like and I say don't call me miss and they're like we spend more time with our teachers than we spend with you so you know I'm, I'm by no means a Madonna but I felt incredibly powerful and I felt like my body was mine yes. for the like the first time in my life yeah which is weird because you're mm. you're because it's I, literally not it's got a parasite because yeah, <laughs> you've given it over to to something yeah. else um something a function that we're told is pretty much our also, only function you don't care about uh, and for me because i was young i was you know living out my heydays um i cared about my health for the yeah. first time because it wasn't my health oh my god so like you know in you know inflicting poison on it repeatedly or even just like a lack of mobility on it was no longer an option it was like right this is a machine and it has somebody else's heart relying on it so get a grip woman but it's it's true I was the healthiest I'd ever been like obviously I didn't drink uh, didn't take drugs. Yeah. I didn't self-harm anymore, which I'd had a problem with for years. I was like, my body is now, I understand what what I need to do and I'm going to look after it. And it was amazing. It gave me a respect for my yeah. body and a desire to look after it that I'd never, ever had. I was like, let's destroy it and annihilate it. It's. I mean, it, you know, as, as I'm saying this, you know, it made me feel powerful, but it is so... It is so in line with the idea that women are meant to be carers and women, you know, like all of that. I suppose as a feminist and somebody who talks about all the things that you talk about as well, I think it is important for people to sort of let themselves off the hook. We're all groomed by the society that we're in, aren't we? (laughs) Um, But it is powerful. It is. And so, yeah, I started to understand why a 16 year old kid who'd never had anything might have a child. So your mum, I can understand why she did it. Yeah. You know, they've got it's that, that sense of control. I, I never associated pregnancy with a sense of control. Yeah. I was anti having kids for years, was like definitely not going to do that it. That might have been a wise choice. I look at my friends who are childless and think, smart. Yeah. You're on holiday in Jamaica again. I know, but I, 
but you see, I, I, oh, I don't know if I had it worse because I didn't have my son until I was 40 and I'd had this, like... I mean, pretty... I'm going to make you feel bad now. I'm 41 and I have an 18-year-old child, so my it's, son's very, it's very easy for me. Oh, People, I, I see my mates in the street and they're like, oh, you're childless today. I'm like, I'm childless every day. I don't oh. really have children anymore. They're adults. But you see, I spent two decades being entirely selfish, doing exactly what I wanted. I was single for most of it. I lived in New York. I travelled wherever I wanted to travel. I did exactly what I wanted to do at all times. I was so brilliantly selfish. It was amazing. And then obviously I got pregnant. I was like, life's probably going to have to change a tad. Life is now completely unrecognisable. I love my son, but it's like I'm li- like living an entirely different existence because I am living an entirely different existence. Oh, you are. I can't uh, be a selfish cow all the time uh, anymore. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting that back. <sighs> I think I did it the right way around because, you know, now, I mean, I suppose, you know, you did, you did a lot. I did no gallivanting. I basically went I on holiday to Cornwall for... <laughs> most of my 20s because I had children and I camped and things uh, but uh, I'm going to get it back at the other end well you know and I'm going to be more 60. money now I was poor then well I'm going to be 60 but so somebody said to me oh don't worry like it's you wait till they go to school or no wait till they leave home you'll get your life back and I was like right that'll make me oh 60 <laughs> Brilliant. I can't I'm, wait to get feeling, my life back. I feel incredibly smug. <laughs> um, so, uh, and obviously now you want to make it for your children, like, uh, you know, a completely different experience to the one that you suffered as a yeah. child, just total safety. Do you think that that yeah. makes you, uh, like, nervous of them or actually freer? I am a bit of an overprotective. Yeah. Mo- so he falls over and, like, brangs his knee and I literally drop whatever I'm holding and, and run across the room um a kid pushed him over at soft uh, soft play party the other day and I had to stop myself like getting up and, and going for that That's kid yeah, yeah, yeah. um so it's it's I am quite I am quite protective um uh but it it brings me great joy to know that he is in, he's never going to be well you know the thing that actually makes me feel sick is the thought of him ever being scared or somebody being mean to him or something yeah. bad. Like, I can't handle some kid. I thought some kid gave him the dead eye the other day. Yeah. And I was obsessed with, like, this kid and, and whether he was upsetting him. And what, was he not mean? Was he mean to him when I wasn't around? And, yeah, it's um, it's a slightly different cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> different cup of tea, different kettle of fish. Didn't kev- different kettle of Ke- fish. Kettle of I tea. Love, get your horses together, <laughs> my mum used to say. Like, mixing up, mix your metaphors. Get your horses yeah. together. Um, so the, I mean, the long-term effects uh, for many children who experience this in early life are absolutely uh, are great. But you have provided words of comfort today. Like you know, you, it does matter to people to see somebody come through the yeah. other side, whether it's ten years later, twenty years later, thirty years later. The whole survival victim thing I find a bit tedious because actually you're still a survivor. Yeah. When you were five, you were a survivor. Yeah. Whether it felt like, you know, you'd be on Take a Break magazine yeah. with your punch in the air. You were getting up every day. The fact that you survived, yeah. literally you're here to sit here and talk today means... And sometimes that survival will have looked considerably less polished than it looks today. Yes. <laughs> yeah, mainly, I have to say. <laughs> and I, you know, now I don't... I. I call myself both a victim and a survivor. And I know I understand some people's personal aversion to, to victim, but I have a real problem with kind of soft soaping. So, yeah. you know, making it more palatable for everybody. How, how will people 
um, respond best to this, especially, you know, middle class people and yeah. people who've not experienced it, maybe. And it's all around palatability of language and, and these narratives about resilience and overcoming. And, and it, it all it's drives like making me making out cotton. like cancer is a battle yeah. rather than just a cell just deformation that basically... really fucking grim. Look, we'll be on your side. Yeah. You, can't, you can't be morally get rid of cancer. No. She's a strong one. It's like... <sighs> The cancer will still get her or it won't. It's, it's luck. Yeah, I hate I hate all of that. Oh, so I, I freely use the word victim because I was victimised, I was. Yeah. Um, but I am also still standing on two feet, so I've got no problem with Survivor either. But um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of kind of, uh, as I say, this ironing out of language, especially to make everyone else feel more comfortable. Uh. I want you to feel uncomfortable. Child abuse, like whether it's sexual or physical or, you know, is horrific. The fact that there are definitely working class girls in this country who feel that they are the kind of as yeah. low down the pecking order as, as it possible. goes. So if someone listening to this suspects a child is being abused uh, in some form, what would you say to them? So I do. I am a childhood campaigner mm. for NSPCC, um, so I would always recommend um, ringing their helpline mm-hmm. because I didn't even realise till I started working with them that it's not just for kids to ring, that actually if you suspect something, have a worry, you're not sure what to do, um, their advisors are amazingly trained and they'll talk you through what it is but also if it's something like school there's always a safeguarding lead um basically don't just shut your mouth because yeah, i think because you know what sometimes you might just be wrong yeah and they'll better and to be wrong completely <laughs> and i think that british thing of like oh it's not my business it's somebody else's family you know every yeah. child in society is all of our responsibility we are in loco parentis of them all exactly. uh, recently it was on vintage I was selling something on Vinted and, as you can see, I have a birthmark on my arm. Yes, so um, I never think about it because I've had it my whole life. And I was holding something in a photo on Vinted and a woman got in touch with me who'd bought something off me and said, I just wanted to check, are you all right? I saw the bruises on your arm. And I got back to her and said, it is just by birthmark. But I have spent today with police forces, probation services and children's services all explaining to me why nobody did anything and there are three children dead. Uh, Thank you for being the person who didn't think it was too precious to just say, are you all right, love? Yeah. That's it. I mean, and it's... It's not rocket science. It isn't. I think people should feel responsible and they should, you know, especially when it comes to kids if you suspect anything is happening and like you say if there's no going on yeah. they'll find out that there's no going on like they really will and i think it's people absolve themselves of responsibility basically yeah. and they don't get to do that i didn't think when somebody called me and was like you know like when somebody said is that i didn't think oh you're, yeah. you're having a go at my husband he's a lovely man it was like oh no thanks for caring i didn't yeah. think I didn't think anything of it. And if some, if the school safeguarding got in touch with me and said, we've had something about the kids, yeah. um, like I, I would be grateful that mm. they'd cared. Well, I remember when my uh, boy was in nursery and he went through this phase of banging his head on uh, the floor. Yeah, my son <laughs> did that. It's like an actual oh. thing. It's a, it's a thing that some of them do. Michael, it, he it's plays the drums now it. to get oh, it out. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He's a mad so, drummer. Yeah, um, so it, but right. he used to just bang his head repeatedly yeah. on the floor. It's Apparently, it's a fairly oh, normal God. thing. Well, so I, I'm like in bits about it, but I take him to nursery and I get a phone call saying, we've noticed he's got a bruise on his head. Can you explain how mm. he got it? And I was immediately like, oh, he's banging his head. Oh, and I rang my boyfriend in tears going, they think I've hurt him. They think I've hurt him. And 
he said, well, look, he went, isn't it better that they do that? Yeah. Because when you were a kid, nobody, nobody, rang. nobody rang, nobody did anything. And he went, imagine if they had. And it was a real like light bulb moment for me. And I just thought, just the fact they'd done that and cared and were willing to ask the question, because they just yeah. asked me really bluntly. And as his mum, I was like, I can't believe they think I'd hurt him, but... Of course, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't they? You're more likely to hurt him than anyone else, yeah, is the exactly. truth. You, 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 parents, yeah, yeah. To, that, you know, or people in your family are more likely rather than the whole... We obsess about stranger mm-hmm. danger with our children, mm-hmm. actually. I remember a man once offering to walk me back to my car from a council, late-night council meeting. I said, well, that's nice of you, but statistically, you're more likely to rape me than I am to be raped by a stranger on the way. But thanks for the offer. <laughs> I was going to say, how did that go down? <laughs> yeah, so it's always cheer. My husband's like, you're... Always a ray of sunshine, Jess. Um, <laughs> He'll be telling that story going, can't do anything right these days. days yeah. So how would you sign off your letter to the women of the world? What would you say? I would say that there is whatever you've been through, whatever has been done to you, there is always hope and that life will be happy again at some point. It won't be a ray of sunshine all the time. Um, You will have pain, you will have trauma, you will have difficulties, but there is joy and happiness still to be found. I swear to God. And if (laughs) if I can find it in life, you can definitely find it. Oh, well, Terry, thank you so much. It's really, really uplifting to hear it. And, yeah, it's not always pretty, survival, but it's it's deeply uh, impressive when, when people want to talk about it and share. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you click the follow button now on the app where you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. This has been an Audio Always original. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.